Our first reading today is from Psalm 16. We are reading verses 1 through 16. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are the noble, in whom is all my delight. Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure, for you do not give me up to Sheol or let your faithful ones see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. The New Testament reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. Listen now for God's word to us. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hands in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hands and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. 
Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. During the summer of 2016, Rebecca McNeil, a member of this church, and I led a group of youth from RPC to Massanetta Youth Conference in Harrisonburg, Virginia. There, the adult leaders are actually encouraged to participate in and with the youth during the workshops and activities. In one of the workshops, we were asked to choose a scripture from a plethora of scripture passages that lay on a table and then to write it on a card and decorate the card so that we could take it home with us. At that particular time, I had just deferred my application to seminary because things just weren't lining up for me financially, logistically, or emotionally. I was experiencing doubt and fear that maybe I'd gotten it all wrong. Maybe God really wasn't calling me to go to seminary. After all, there was no solid proof, no writing in the sky or big trumpet sounds. I felt weird even telling people that I had been called to go to seminary. But I admitted as much to this group of people in the circle that we held as we got to know each other answering questions that were asked of us. And yet, as I stood looking down at the table full of scriptures, my eyes landed on one that read, Peace be with you. As God sent me, now I send you. Coincidence or God incidence? I choose to believe it was the latter. I still have that card hanging on my bedroom mirror as a sign of comfort when I am in fear and despair. My eyes just somehow magically land on that card when I need those words of assurance. The text says that the disciples were both literally and figuratively locked up in fear. I imagine that they too were fearful and uncertain on a much grander scale than I. Their friend and leader had just been taken away from them and crucified. The disciples were no doubt scared that the same thing would happen to them, so they made sure they locked themselves up tight. Let's be honest, they were traumatized and grief-stricken. And yet Jesus meets these fear-filled disciples where they are. The same disciples who denied and abandoned him in his time of need, who doubted Mary Magdalene's proclamation that very morning, and who even doubted each other in that room. And yet Jesus says, peace be with you, not why did you desert me or what are you doing in here, but peace. Jesus did not desert his disciples in their time of need. He showed up for them, was with them, his presence and scars a reminder that life is full of joy and sorrow. Each time Jesus said those comforting words in this passage, peace be with you, it prefaces something unsettling, something disruptive. Twice Jesus utters the words peace 
right before he shows the disciples his scars, his wounds. These are not new tattoos Jesus is showing his disciples. These are deep, heavy wounds that he bore. I don't think he showed his disciple his scars to scare them. I think he showed them his scars to prepare them for the work that lay ahead. And sandwiched in between these two scar um, showings is Jesus sending the disciples. He has compassion for his disciples, but he doesn't let them off the hook. He charges them to continue his ministry here on earth, not only in and amongst themselves, but beyond the walls and the locked doors and the house in which they were huddled and the house in which we are huddled. Church is often a place of refuge for people, a place of where spiritual batteries can get recharged, a place where we, we are reassembled and remembered, reminded of God's love for us and for creation, a place where we find the gift and challenges of community. We come with our fears and our hopes, our grief and our agendas. Jesus meets us where we are inside and outside of our shut doors and walls. After the peace offering and sending, Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This verse is reminiscent of Genesis 2, when, Jesus, when God breathed into Adam, the first earthling. I have been practicing yoga for years, and the one thing I love best about it is that it emphasizes and engages my breath. Our breath has the potential to bring us peace, to calm our nervous system, to settle our spirits, to even strengthen our lungs, even and especially in the midst of fear and uncertainty. Jesus would have known fear. The scars on his body would have suggested that. The breath of life not only sustains and supports us, but enlivens us. The Spirit of God is as close to us as our very breath. I invite you to take a moment, close your eyes if you choose, and breathe in with your nose. Breathe, breathe out through your nose. Breathe in God's peace and breathe out relief. God meets us where we are and breathes life into us. Earlier in this gospel in John, Jesus promised his disciples that he would send an advocate, the Holy Spirit, that will serve as a reminder of all that Jesus taught. Jesus knew that we would need a Holy Spirit, a holy breath that would go with us to accompany us on the individual and collective journeys of ministry and life. Jesus charges us to move beyond the doors and walls of our houses and our churches, to breathe life into people who were locked up, shut in, and pushed out. How do we breathe peace into one another? Each living being is given the breath of life, 
is worthy of breath, is worthy of life. We share air. Jesus sends us to give and to receive peace, life, and spirit. Peace be with you, we say to one another, and it means something different to each one of us. They are not mutually exclusive, peace and breath. The disciples were so excited and overjoyed to see Jesus that they did not seem to understand the implications that he was suggesting. So wrapped up in the resurrected, resurrected Jesus that they couldn't see and maybe didn't want to believe that they would be called to risk as Jesus had risked, sharing the peace and spirit of Christ on earth. What does it mean to be sent out? How do we do it? Every year, a couple of house benches make their nest on our back porch behind a speaker that's mounted on a wall. I love to watch these birds collect leaves and moss and little twigs to refurbish the nest that they had left the year before. The pair of birds faithfully tend their nest. They, they each take turns sitting on the eggs and they take turns gathering food for one another and watching out for the predators that lie just beyond our porch. When the eggs hatch, it takes a couple of weeks for the baby birds to mature, to grow their wings, to find their voice, and to become strong enough to survive on the outside. When the egg, sorry, that's always the worst part for me, leaving the nest. It's also the most exciting, waiting and watching for the little birds to fledge, to fly away, to launch. I pray for them as they ready themselves. I wave away aggressive blue jays and keep an eye out for the hawks that lurk nearby, ready to defend and do whatever I can do to protect the baby birds. They left this year a couple of weeks ago on a Tuesday morning and I pray that they made it to wherever it was they were going when they left our house. Those, the fear of those two parents is real, always looking around, darting here and there to avoid staying in any one place too long, lest they be nabbed. Jesus says, peace be with you. As God sends me, I send you. Ministry is risky business. Change and loss are inevitable. Yet Jesus, like the parent birds, meets us and cares for us where we are. Sending means spreading our wings and leaving our crazy, cozy nests into the uncertainty of life and the unknown. Birds are brave, and we can learn from watching them. Many people, when looking for God, claim to see God in nature. Creation is full of wonder and opportunities to experience joy and peace. Spending time in nature can bring unexpected pleasures, peace, and sometimes discomfort. Creation is a place where we see violence occurring, when big birds eat little birds, when animals fight, and when weather systems bring destructive storms, when the earth shakes and fires erupt. Jesus did not promise that life and ministry would always be safe or that we should play it safe by staying behind closed doors. Jesus spent most of his ministry outdoors. 
not with those who are familiar and unfamiliar, religious and unreligious. A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting behind my desk in the afternoon and hit the wall. I had to get up and move around and get something to drink, so I walked into Five Points and was headed for the familiar coffee shop where I usually go to get uh, some good iced tea. And instead of turning into that familiar coffee shop, my body just kept walking and turned into a bar. I opened the door and walked over to the bar and asked for selections that were non-alcoholic since I was currently on the clock. The bartender, you know, helped me decide which non-alcoholic drink would be suitable. And then it occurred to me to introduce myself. So I did. I said I was a, an associate pastor that worked at a church down the street on the corner by, um, across from the park. I received my drink and we kept chatting. I involuntarily just sat down on the bar stool when the bartender didn't feel like I had shut down the conversation by saying I was a pastor. Instead, it opened up conversation and a door through which I feel like I learned about her experience with the church. She shared that it was that she had been raised in a fairly rigid and rule-centered religious tradition and that the the people who actually taught and preached in the church were the same ones who taught school. She was well informed on the history of the church and on the, the particular theology around her religious tradition and was so articulate and well-spoken that all I could do was just sit and listen in awe. She breathed spirit into me in a way that I hadn't expected. I realized that I was not there to try to impose my religious you know, tradition or to propose any kind of a solution for her or to even share my story. I was just there to listen, to receive her spirit and her breath as it was breathed into me. My hope is that she felt heard and affirmed and that she knew that I wasn't a threat, but I was a friend, like I was a person who was just interested in getting to know her and being a part of the neighborhood. Her story examined me, exa um, prompted me to examine my own beliefs. I admitted to her that I often wrestled with my faith, that I doubted, just like everybody else, but that I would rather believe than not believe. That's all I could say, as wimpy as that sounds. But as I was walking back to my office almost one hour later from the time I had left, I was filled with gratitude for the way that God's Spirit showed up and moved between us. The conversation with the woman who tended bar gave me hope for the church and the world, in our community and in our neighborhood. May it be so. Amen.